John chapter 1, verse 30, 43 to 51. And I'm going to read this for us, follow along. It says, the next day, G- uh, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from um, Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also prophets uh, wrote, wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him and said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus said to him, "Because Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we ask right now that you will come and speak to us. Father, we want to hear from you. Father, we need to hear from you. Father, we're not here to hear from a man or, 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 or sing songs that are meaningless. But Lord, we are here because we, have, we want to see and we want to meet, and we want to encounter the living God who is with us right now. Father, no matter where we are at, God, whether in our rooms or, or somewhere in our homes, I pray, Lord, that we, as a people of God, will seek after you with all our hearts. Holy Spirit, I know that you can do exactly what you plan to do today. So, Lord, may you take the place in the heart of every single person that is here. Father, we love you. We thank you. And we're excited to hear from you. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Um, I don't know if you guys have read this passage before in the past. I'm sure you have. Um, but this story always kind of gets me. Uh, 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 it's kind of funny, right? Um, I don't know if you guys ever kind of really thought about this story, but it's this man who, who, who just chilling under a fig tree, right? And, and, and his friend comes uh, and says, hey, dude, like, he's here, man. The Messiah. The, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Lamb of God that we've been waiting for, he's here. And then this guy's like, what? Really? So let me go check this out. He goes up to Jesus, and Jesus says, man, there, here's a man without any deceit, right? And, 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 he, and then with that, just that phrase alone, he says, how do you know me? Like, what? You know me? You know what I'm saying? And then, and then all of a sudden, Jesus goes, yeah, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip came and got you. And then he says, oh, my gosh, dude, you are you are the Lord. You know, you are the Messiah. Oh my God, you must be God, right? But when I read this passage, I don't think Jesus did anything like crazy to make someone go like, oh my gosh, you are Jesus. You are King. You know, you are the Lord. And when I read, I'm like, what? You know what I'm saying? Like, this guy's like pretty intense. I don't know about you. If someone came up to me and said, hey dude, I, I saw you, man. You know, I saw you, you know, uh, before your friend came and got you, you were in your room or something. I'd be like, what the heck, bro? What, what is wrong with you? What do you mean you saw me, you creep? You know what I mean? I feel like, what, what, what? You know what I mean? But this guy, all of a sudden, he's like, dude, you are the Lord. And I realized that there's a meaning to all this. And I think it applies 
to many of our lives. And all, I think just the encounter that he has with Nathaniel and the, and the moment of him saying, man, I want to follow you. You are the Lord shows a lot about what it looks like to commit yourself to the Lord, period. And I want to kind of digest into that. Uh, first things first, we need to recognize in this passage, when God, when Jesus saw Nathaniel coming forward and he said to him, behold, the Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit, right? That in itself already showed that Jesus had a recognition and understanding of who Nathaniel was. A lot of people think that Nathaniel was just responding like, oh, you know me. But there was a reason why he said, you actually know me. It's because Nathaniel actually considered himself to be a man who is a true Israelite, right? And back in the day, Israelites in that time were what? People who were waiting for the Messiah to come. People who were eagerly looking at the laws of Moses, eagerly looking at the word of God, hoping that the Messiah would come and save them from the countries of Rome, Rome right? And he was one of those men who were like, always like hoping and, and, and seeking after the Another reason why we know this is because right after this, Nathaniel says, how do you know me? Jesus answered him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And that was enough for him to all of a sudden transform to this person who just believes in Jesus. But it, it's because we have to kind of understand the context, right? Pastor Eleanor loves context, right? I want to give you a little bit of context here, right? There's three times that the fig tree is mentioned in the Old Testament, three times. First time is Micah. Second time is first king. Third time is Zechariah, right? All three times they talk about the coming of the king, right? And it's crazy because in Micah, it talks about the later days, right? Like the latter days, I mean, the latter days. Uh, 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 it talks about when Jesus is going to come. It says that the wars will stop. You know, things will be all peaceful. And all of a sudden, each person will be under a fig tree. It's like this imagery of like crazy peace, like, you know, like, like everyone's just chilling under a fig tree. I don't even know what a fig tree looks like, but they're just chilling under a fig tree. And they're just like, yeah, you know, like everything's kind of peaceful. You know what I mean? There's this whole imagery. And I think what was happening here, and I kind of want you to kind of uh, understand uh, history here, is that when, when I think Nathaniel read that, he was longing for that so much that he went under a fig tree and he was sitting there wondering when that passage was going to be fulfilled. He was probably like, when is that day going to come? When is it that, when is the day? Well, he was probably meditating on the word under a fig tree thinking, man, when is, when is the latter days? When is it that the words will stop? Wondering and, and pondering and daydreaming about that day. And all of a sudden, this guy comes and says, hey, I am the Lamb of God. And I feel like a lot of people, when they read this passage, it's just like, oh, yeah, Nathaniel had this moment. But I think it was a moment uh, that he's been longing for a long time. Something that he's been seeking after for a long time. But in an instant, God meets him. And, and in an instant, he says, man, you are the king. And you are the Lord. You are the Messiah. But this is not what I want to speak to you on today. You know, a lot of times when we make the decision to follow Jesus, it's like this. It feels like this. 
It feels like this moment where we've been searching for something all our lives. You know, I, I don't know about you, but, you know, I'm a typical youth pastor. Uh, I'm not youth pastor anymore, but I'm a typical pastor, right, in my generation. It was like this KP, like, wearing, you know, triple XL shirts and that looked like little dresses, you know, uh, going and buying dickies. I don't even know what it was about Dickies that like they were uncomfortable, but I still wanted to wear them, you know, like wearing Cortezes and, and doing all these things. I used to be like that guy, right? And, 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 and I would like do whatever I can to look cool and fit in. And, and I felt like my whole life I've been searching to find my place in this world, right? Uh, like every other Disney movie that we watch, you know, and, and, and you're just trying to find your place in the world. Who am I? You know, and, and you're finding and finding and finding. But I remember when I gave my life to God, I came into contact with the grace of God, I was like, holy moly, this is what I've been searching for. This is what I've been daydreaming about. This is exactly what I needed, even if I didn't understand that it was right in front of me the whole time. This, I, I recognize this is exactly what I need. I had a Nathaniel moment where I felt so understood by God. I was like, oh my gosh, you were exactly what I needed. Even when I didn't know that I needed it, you knew, and you were exactly exactly the answer that I've been searching for. I don't know about you guys, but I've had that moment. And, 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 and I'm sure for some of you guys as well, you've had that moment where you're like, holy moly, this is the Lord. This is the Lamb of God. This is the King that I've been looking for. This is the purpose that I've been desiring. But can I tell you that there's more for your life than that moment, right? Can I tell you that it's going to require, right? And it's crazy because after he says this, Rabbi, you are the son of God. Jesus kind of makes a joke. You know what he says? He says, what? <laughs> like, I'm the son of God just because I said I saw you under a tree? That's, what, that's basically what Jesus is saying. Like, what? That's it? You know what I mean? Because he has a promise for Nathaniel. And that, hey, there's a promise for you as well. And it's this. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of God. Son of man. I remember I was like, you know, reading this and I was like, holy moly, this is, this, I want that. But I realized that it's a promise for those who will choose to continue to follow God. You know, I, I realized this passage is talking about an instant moment where a man comes in contact with God and decides to say, you are God. But then God says this, if you will follow me, if Jesus says this, if you will follow me, guess what? I will show you things that you have not even imagined. You have not even looked forward to. Things that you haven't even hoped for in the past. I don't think that Daniel was sitting under a fig tree thinking, man, I want to see the heavens open and angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. I don't think he had even that in, that in his mind. All he thought was, man, I desire something that I've been searching for all my life. And when he came to the contact with God himself, Jesus himself, he said, man, I have found it. But Jesus said, no, 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 that's not the only thing that I have for you. I have so much greater plans for you. Can I tell you today, right now, as you begin this sermon, that there's so much more that God wants to show you in this life than having that experience and being it over with. Too many Christians look back on that moment where they gave to life their, their life to God and then burn out because they're like, man, it doesn't look like that. If I desired to remember the moment I got saved every single day to, in order for me to continue my faith, 
I would have given up my faith a long time ago. If every day I'm waking up thinking, man, I remember that day. I remember my junior to senior summer retreat where I was crying. Lord, take me back to that place. If I kept doing that, if I kept going back to that place and just hoping for that moment, I would never, never survive in this faith. But I realized if you are to desire to see this truth that God has for you, the more that he has for you, the Jesus promising you more than you could ever understand, it requires you to actually follow him as a disciple. And that's something I want to kind of talk about today. You know, there's, there's this, uh, 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 like this, I guess a phrase. It says the, the cost of disciple or the cost of discipleship, right? And I remember uh, um, the first time I ever heard that, the cost of discipleship. And, and people use that like, oh man, count your cost. In order to be a disciple, there's a cost. In order for you to follow God, there's a cost. You know, and I, I used to always think like, dang, like there is a cost. And I remember when I first gave my life to God, I was like, man, I, I, I could, man, I'll give up anything. Tell me the cost, man. Tell me what I need to give up. You know, and, and so, so I got the cost and I was like, oh, oh, oh shoot, what, what? I need to give up my friends. You know, I need to give up what? I need to give up cursing. I need what? I need to give up what? I need to give up what? You know what I mean? Like, and I'm just like, what? I need to give up. I need to give up, give up, give up, give up, give up, give up, give up. Give up. And there's, there's a huge list of things I needed to give up. And I was like, why do I got Why do I got to get rid of all that? You know what I mean? And I remember I was, I was so zealous for God that I was like, you know what? Fine. I'll give it all love. I get, I, I'm, I'm not saying this to boast, but this is just a reality, reality for me, right? I remember the day I gave my life to God, my pastor had a long conversation with me because I was the worst kid at church. And I remember he had this huge conversation and said, hey, what do you really want now? And I remember I looked at him dead in the eyes and I said, I want God. And the moment I said that, he looked at me and said, you got to stop drugs. You got to stop cursing. You got to stop hanging out with that group for a little bit because, man, that's not healthy for you. He started naming all these things that I needed to get rid of. And I remember I looked at him in the face and I was like, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. And I remember that following year, I went to school. I tried to evangelize to my friends and they were all rejected me, every single one of them. And then guess what I did? I said, you know what? Forget y'all then. I dropped all my friends. And I was like, no, I ain't hanging out with any of you. You know, and then, and then I was like, I'm not doing drugs with any of you. I'm not, I'm not doing anything with you. I just dropped everything. And I remember I thought that was it. I thought that was the answer, right? So I dropped everything and I'm like, God, I want to follow you. I want to seek after you. I want to fight for you. And, I, and I, would, I would give up anything for you. And I remember all of a sudden, I felt this urge to go back to my old life. I felt this urge to say yes to the world again. And, and I was like super confused. Did I, did I not forsake the world for you? And I remember I was like confused out of my mind. And you, you guys know this story for many of you guys who've been part of our ministry for a long time. I got saved and then all of a sudden I, I got into this place of like doubt and, and insecurities and I went back to the world and I started doing the same things that I did, hanging out with the same people. Not saying that it was in particular to whether I gave it all up or not. I realized that it had everything to do with my understanding of what God wanted for me. And, and the reason why I, I come to this biblical story when talking about the cost of discipleship it's because it seems like Nathaniel didn't really give up anything. 
to follow God. Like everyone else, and like I, I think everyone else or something, when I read about, you know, Peter and John or, 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 or when I read about, you know, the fish, fishermen who just, who just let go of their fishnet and just start following Jesus. You know, when I read about disciples who were like, yo, let me just bury my parents and then I'll go. And Jesus is like, no, don't bury your parents. Let the dead bury themselves and follow me. And they're like, okay, you know, and, and there's always these cons, but Nathaniel, all, I, I look at Nathaniel's conversion, and I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing, you know what I mean, like, this, this, he didn't give up anything, he actually wanted Jesus, and he found Jesus, you know, and, and, and when I read this, I, I start to understand that every single thing that Jesus does is personal to each and every person, but I realize that personal relationship that he has with that person is exactly what he's trying to fulfill in our individual lives. And I, I want you to kind of understand this. And the cost of discipleship at that moment, when you start to see it in that lens, becomes different for each and every person, right? That's why you see over and over again in the New Testament, different people coming up to Jesus and saying, hey, how do I get saved? How do I become a disciple? And over and over, people turn away from different reasons. But I realized something. That is not just about just giving up whatever's in your life. It's not just about saying, man, that's bad, so I'll let it go. And that's going to let me become a disciple of Jesus. It's not just about letting things go in your fleshy beings. That's going to allow you to be safe. But it's about, it's about the posture and the relationship you have with God in your heart. Can I answer a question that many people have, have, has, have been having for a long time? They ask these questions all the time, especially when someone who's so faithful turns away from God. They come up to me and say, Pastor Paul, didn't that person serve so faithfully? Didn't that person, wasn't he, so, like, wasn't he or she an amazing servant? Why is it that they turned away from God? And I look at them and say, man, it's not a matter of how much you give. It's a matter of how much you're willing to receive from God. And I, I need you to understand what I'm trying to say. And it's this, Dietrich Bonifer, he's actually a really intense dude, right? He, he survived the concentration camps and everything. This guy's intense. But he wrote a book called The Cost of Discipleship. He actually wrote a book on it, right? And I remember I, I opened this book thinking, man, I'm just going to get rebuked. And guess what? I did rebuke. I got rebuked like crazy, but I didn't get rebuked the way that I thought I was going to get rebuked, right? And, and this is a quote from him that I need you to kind of hear me out on. And I think this kind of puts it, puts it in a way where I feel like it really, really shows the heart of God. And, and it's kind of lengthy, but I'm going to read it for you. It says this, costly grace is the gospel which must be sought again and again and again. The gift which must be asked for the door at which a man must knock. Such grace is costly because it calls us to follow. And it is grace because it calls us to follow Jesus Christ. It is costly because it costs a man his life. And it is grace because it gives a man the only true life. It is costly because it condemns sin. And grace because it justifies the sinner. Above all, it is costly because it costs God the life of his son. Ye were bought at a price. And what has cost God must con 
much cannot be cheap for us. Above all, it is grace because God did not reckon his son too dear a price to pay for our lives, but delivered him up for us. Costly grace is the incarnation of God. Man, when I read that, I realized what true cost of the disciple is. True cost for you to be a disciple is not how much you're willing to give, it's how much you're willing to receive in His grace. Because the cost of your discipleship was paid by the blood of Jesus. The cost of your discipleship was paid by the incarnation of Jesus Christ Himself. The cost of your discipleship is by no means what you can offer God, but what God has offered in the Son that He gave up on that cross. And I realize this passage becomes so personal to me now. When I read about Nathaniel, I realize this. God, Jesus didn't say, in order for you to see the heavens open up and angels descending, coming up and down, you need to give anything up. He said this, man, are you just amazed at the fact that I'm here? I'm here to give you more than what you ever wanted. Let me tell you, that's the grace of Jesus Christ. And that is the gospel message. The gospel message is not to tell you to let go of this and that. The gospel message is to tell you that there is a grace so abounding and so great that you letting go of those things do not justify for anything that you could gain from God himself. That's the cost of discipleship. Isn't that crazy? So when I see the story of Nathaniel and I'm like, yo, you didn't give up anything. I realized something. That he didn't have to give up anything. He just had to accept the fact that God was God. I realized that story, that question I asked you, where these people who have been so faithful with God, so faithful in serving, so faithful in, in reading the word, so faithful in prayer, all of a sudden they, 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 they fall away from the faith. I realized the answer to that question is this. It's not that they didn't give enough. It's that they didn't receive enough. It's not that they didn't give up enough because they apparently gave up a lot. It's that they didn't receive enough and they didn't accept enough. It's that they justify themselves not by what Christ has already done on, on the cross, but they justify themselves by their works that they put in for the sake of Christ. Can I tell you right now, I know some of you guys are feeling burnt out. I know some of you guys are feeling like, man, I'm tired. I'm weary. I, 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 this feels so redundant. This feels like, man, I, I, it's just... There's like this weird rotation of, of every week. I'm doing the same thing. I wake up, I brush my teeth, I watch TV for a little bit. I, I don't know what your days look like during quarantine. But it's the same thing over and over. And you're wondering, man, dude, I, like I'm getting tired. And maybe you're starving right now. And you're like, man, I'm giving so much. I'm, 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 I'm offering so much. I'm, I'm putting in the time. Can I tell you right now? It is time to receive much. It is time to accept much. It is time to be excited once again. When I see the person of Nathan, I realize something. Or Nathaniel, not Nathan. So Nathaniel, I realize something. I realize this man is easily excited. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but this guy's super easily excited. Like, 
like I said, like some of the stuff Jesus says in Nathaniel, if I was in Nathaniel's shoe, I'd be like, so? Anyone could have seen me under the fig tree. So? But this man believed in the words that Jesus was talking about. And it actually brought him excitement. A lot of theologians believe that Nathaniel was his gung-ho, all-in-or-nothing guy. A typical Israelite. A guy who said, man, I will give my whole life to a cause where I'll not give it at all. And I realized a lot of times, another decision that we have to make when it comes to following God is either to say, I am all in or all out. There is no middle ground. I know sometimes you don't hear this coming out of many uh, preachers. You don't hear this coming out of many believers. But I'm going to say this right now. It's either all in or all out. There is no middle ground. It's either you fully believe in the word of God or you don't believe in it at all. You cannot justify a part of the word or scripture and not follow the rest. And, and I know it sounds daunting. I know it sounds hard. I remember I, I got into a huge argument with somebody because they said, hey, man, um, I'm, I'm not going to follow the word of God because it's impossible. And I was like, dude, but, but you're a teacher. <laughs> like, you serve right now. And she was like, yeah, but it, it's, I mean, what, what's the point? It's impossible. The laws are impossible. And I, remember I looked at her like, what, what are you talking about? And I know it, sounds, it seems impossible. I know it seems daunting. But here's where the grace of God comes in. Here's where the purpose of God comes in. Here's where the Holy Spirit comes in. Can I tell you right now that you can follow God well? And you can continue to grow. You can continue to go deep. You can continue to conquer your sins. You can continue. But guess what? You need to recognize that it's not done by your own strength. It is not done by your own abilities. It's not, by, it's not done by your own meditation and your striving. It is done by accepting the grace of Jesus Christ. I know it sounds repetitive, but I realize a lot of the times believers have forgotten about the grace of God in these moments. And they, they, they strive to become this person that needs to constantly uh, give up and give up and give up and give up to the point where you feel burnt out. Here's the answer to not burning out is to accept and embrace the grace of Jesus Christ every single day of your life. It is to wake up knowing that you're never going to be perfect. It is, wake, it, is, it is to wake up knowing that you're never going to be uh, who you feel like you should be until you accept the full, full grace that he's given on that cross. If you feel weak in this season, I need you to know there's still grace. If you feel like giving up in this season, I need you to know that this could change your life right now. And it's this, that there is still grace. And the cost of you following God has been paid by Jesus.
you know, everything I do, right, as a pastor is not because I feel like I'm obligated to. Of course, as a pastor, it's my job, right, to preach on Sundays. It's my job to, you know, uh, make sure I, I, I preach from the scriptures and all those things. But I realized the reason I became a pastor is not because, you know, I love doing those things. Because I'm going to be honest with you, right? Like, before I became a pastor, when I just became a Christian man, the Bible, dude, it was, it was a sleeping pill. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I'm like, yo, I'm tired. For gospel. You know what I'm saying? Like, like it was a sleeping pill. But then how did I become a pastor? It, it's not because I felt like, man, I had to do. It's because it was a response to the grace of God. The reason why some of you guys are serving right now is not because all of a sudden you had this revelation. Oh, shoot, I got to serve. No, it was a response to the grace of God. The reason why every single person saved is a response to the grace of God. And I realized the gospel right now has become so complicated for many believers, especially believers who've been in the church for a long time. They believe that the gospel needs to be followed with a bunch of sacrifices. But I realize sacrifices are not sacrifices once you have the taste and experience of the grace of God. Sacrifices become a joy. Giving up no longer is a burden. It becomes a joy. Serving no longer becomes a burden. Serving becomes joy. When it comes to the response of the grace of God. That is why when I read Dietrich Bonhoeffer, I'm so amazed by this guy. Because he was this professor, he was this basically a genius in the Bible, and he just, he just makes it so simple. This guy endured concentration camps. He endured being tortured. He endured all those things, but he comes down to this moment where he says, man, everything I do is, means nothing. Because I realize the cost of me following God is not by what I do. The cost of me following God has been justified by what's already done on that cross. So I want to encourage you today, for those of you guys who are hurting in this season, to recognize the grace of God. Those of you who are serving right now who feel burdened and weak, to recognize the grace of God first. And for those of you guys who may feel like, man, I don't know. I, I don't even know if I want to believe. If you will approach God today and to give him that place of trust, I believe you will, you will experience Jesus in a way you've never experienced before. Christianity is not a list of to, to do and don't do's. It's about a Jesus. It's about a God who sent his only son to die for you to give his life for you so that you may have a relationship with him. Let's not forget that church. I don't care if you're a pastor. I don't care if you're a leader. I don't care if you, if you came out of your mom's womb singing hallelujah, you need to remember this. You're here today 
by the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. You're here today by who and what Jesus did for you. It has nothing to do with what you've done. It has nothing to do with how much you've given up. It has nothing to do with how much you're going to continue to give up. Because it has everything to do with the cross. So I want you to search your heart today as we end this service. Why do you do the things that you do for God? Those are questions I ask myself often these days. Even as simple as me coming here today to preach to you. Yeah, in the outside world, as a pastor, that's your job. But I ask myself, why, why am I here? Why do I preach? Why am I sharing this? And if, that, if the answer is not because of the grace of God, I know I'm not in the right place. If the answer is because I have to, let me tell you, you probably forgot the grace of God. Because you don't have to. Everything we do as believers is a response to what he's already done. Let's get back to that. Let's get back to realizing and beholding the grace of God. I know it sounds like a simple message, but this is a message I feel we need to know. And we need to understand. And we need to grasp in this season. Because this season is not easy. It's hard. It's difficult. It's, we have to grind. But just know even in that, we can find joy. Just, even, just know even in that, we can find hope. In Jesus himself. But right now, I want to encourage you. Are you a leader? Have you been serving God and giving up your time and giving your effort? Week in and week out. Have you been putting in the time for the Lord, for the church? Have you been telling God yes over and over and over again to the point where you feel burdened and tired? Can I tell you, today is the time, today is the day to find rest in His grace once again. To recognize it's not about your works. It's not about what you can offer God. It's about what he's already given you. And if that is you, I want to call you today as a leader, as someone that loves you to repent. And repentance doesn't look, always look like banging on your chest and yelling your head off. Sometimes repentance looks like just recognizing and turning to the cross. And I want to call you guys to that today. I know some of you are tired right now. Leaders, I know you're tired. I know you're weary. I know some of you guys are feeling burnt out, but I want to encourage you right now to come at the feet of Jesus and repent. Say, Lord, I'm sorry for making about me. For making it about what I sacrificed. For making it about what I've given up. Father, may I remember your grace today. And then there are those here right now whom I feel like, man, I, I feel like I've been striving in this season. In my faith, 
I feel like I've been reading and praying and, and doing all these things, but man, I feel stuck. I feel like I'm not going anywhere in my faith. Sometimes in order for you to understand how far God could take you, you got to understand and take yourself back all the way to the beginning. And that is the recognition of the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. Man, I remember when I first gave my life to God, the gospel was so real. I remember when I used to hear the gospel message and tears would run down my face. I remember when I used to hear about the crucifixion of Jesus, it would move my heart and break me from within. Where is that now? Where are those believers today that will burn for the gospel once again, that will burn for what Jesus has done for you once again? Can I tell you right now, if that grace and that mercy Jesus poured out on the cross does not burn your heart, let me tell you, you probably lost your first love. We need to get back to that place where it's all about the grace of God, where it's all about Jesus, where it's all about the cross and the blood that was shed on there. Let me tell you, from serving to striving to fighting to just feeling lost, we always have to come back to that place of grace and mercy. So today, can we just do that, church? If you feel far, just say, Lord, I want to come to that place. If you've never, ever seen that before, I want you to invite him and say, Lord, may you show me your cross. May you show me your grace. May you show me the sacrifice that you've given up so that I may have a relationship with you. But let's have a moment. Where we come back to that place, church, I want to call our ministry back to that place today. I want to call each and every one of you back to that place today where our hearts burn for the gospel, where our hearts burn for the grace of God once again. And that is the one thing that drives us. That is the one thing we've been looking for. That is the one thing that we've been searching for all our lives. Father, we come to you. In the name of Jesus. And Lord, we say that we need you, God. Father, I pray right now, God, for those of us who are hurting. Father, for those of us, oh Father, who are feeling weak, who are feeling like they've been striving, God. That they'll remember, Lord Father, that everything we do, God, is only a response to what you've already done on that cross. But I pray, Lord, that our serving will no longer be a burden, God, but, Lord, a joy, God. Father, that our striving will no longer be striving, but, Lord, an act of worship to you in response, God, to who you are, Lord, Father, and what you've done on that cross, Lord. Father, right now, if there's anyone who's feeling weak, God, and and burned, burnt out, God. That they'll remember, Lord Father, your grace, O Lord. That the cost of their discipleship has, has nothing to do with what we have offered you, but Lord, has everything to do with, with the life you've given up through your Son, Jesus Christ. So, Lord, help us, God, to stop counting our costs. 
and to remember the cost that was paid for us, Jesus. Father, may striving cease. And Lord, may pride subside. And may we walk in humility all the days of our lives, God. We thank you, Lord, for who you are. We thank you, Lord, that you never abandon us. We thank you, Lord, Father, that what you've done is eternal, God. We love you, Lord. Bless every single person who is here today. May you continue to show more of your grace every single day of their lives. Father, I pray people will wake up to your grace and go to sleep through your grace, God. We love you, Lord. And we praise you and we trust you. In your name we pray. Amen.